Yo, today's QOD is take 100% responsibility for your life and your results. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Jack Canfield on the show today. And today, Jack is talking about taking responsibility for your life. And also, he's going to talk about the power of your intention and your thought. Here's Jack. Now, the first principle, if you're taking notes, this would be a good place to start. And if you're not taking notes, this would also be a good place to start. And that is to take 100% responsibility for your life and your results. Now, most of you have heard that before, but I would ask you a question. Have you ever blamed anyone for anything in the last year? We get mad, perhaps, at the president or the economy or the oil prices, or we blame other people for our not being successful. You literally have to give up all blaming and take 100% responsibility for your life, that you're creating it the way it is. You have to give up complaining. Complaining means I have a reference point for something I prefer that I'm not willing to risk creating. If I was complaining about my wife, it would mean that I have to have a reference point of someone better out there that I would rather be with that I'm not willing to risk leaving my wife to go be with. Or I'd have to risk working with my wife and sharing with her there were things I didn't like about her that she would, I would want her to change and that might create a conversation that might be a little bit uncomfortable. But without taking that risk, I can't create what I want. If all the women in the, do- in the world tomorrow died except for my wife, and I came to work, would I be complaining about my wife? No, I'd be going, hey, there's only one woman, and guess what? I got her. <laughs> you only complain when there's a possibility of something better. Complaining tells you there's something I want I don't have, and when you complain, that's not an activity that's going to produce it. It's simply something that says I'm going to complain about it rather than do anything about it. Give up all justifying for why you didn't achieve your results, all defending your positions that don't work, and all excuse-making. I met this kid named Matty Christensen when he was 11 years old. We were interviewing him for one of our chicken soup books. And he said, if you look at the picture, you'll notice he has no arms past the elbow and no legs past the knee. He's got two prosthetic devices on his knee, you know, from the knee down for his legs and his feet. And he's got a lacrosse stick appended to his arm prosthetic device, which allows that to be his pitching hand and his catching glove. And at 11 years old, Matty's baseball team was number two in the state of New York with him being the pitcher. So what that tells us is it doesn't matter what your condition is, you can still choose to create what you want and become a champion. Maddie said to me when I interviewed him, he said, you have to give up all of your excuses and find a way. He says, if you're going to be successful, you have to be solution-oriented rather than a complainer. I was getting a seminar on success from an 11-year-old boy. Now, there are three things we have control over in your life, your thoughts, your images, and your behavior and your actions. You know, Harv does a seminar called The Millionaire Mind. It's the idea of our thoughts making and controlling our reality. So I want to look at thoughts with you for just a minute. 
We'll see how the weather holds out here. Hopefully we'll make it through this. What I'd like you to do is look down at the end of your hand. You'll notice there is a little line that goes across your wrist. Does everybody have like a little indentation, a little wrinkle that goes across there? And you'll have one on the other side as well. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to line those up perfectly and then put your hands together like that, but start them so that they're coming directly from that line. And if you're like most people, you're going to find that one of your hands is a little longer than the other. Most of you find that? Take your shorter hand and put it in front of your face. If your hands are the same length when you do that, take either hand and put it in front of your face. And here's what I want you to do. I'm from California, like Barbara, so we do a lot of weird stuff there. So I want you to look at your hand, and we're going to say out loud in unison eight times, grow longer. Okay? We're just going to intend for our hand to grow longer. We're going to do it in unison. So here we go. One, two, three. Grow longer. Grow longer. Grow longer, grow longer, grow longer, grow longer, grow longer, grow longer. Okay, stop. Now line them up exactly the same as before and notice what happened. How many of you found that it did get longer? Very good. So what this shows us is the power of our intention and the power of our minds over physical matter, starting with our body, and we see that we actually have that power over physical matter all throughout the universe. Now, I have, the good news is we can do this. The bad news, in case there are any men thinking about this, is that um, so far the research has only been on the hands, okay? so. I don't want you to waste a lot of time tonight with this. <laughs> all right. Now, we've all heard of the Internet. You've all used the Internet. You've got Blackberries, and you send wireless telephone calls. We can call someone in Singapore right now and talk to them. How does that work? There's waves that go through the air, and there's what we call amplitude. How high does the wave go? And there's frequency. How often does it go up and down? And by controlling those amplitudes and frequencies, we can create information. We can encode information and send it across the world. We now know... A friend of mine coined the term the internet, a guy named Bob Scheinfeld, who wrote a book called Ending the, or Busting Loose from the Money Game. And he, he, he made the point that we literally, every thought we think is extended around the world like a giant email sent out over this thing which he refers to as the internet. And we know that it works, and we know it goes quite far for the following reason. There is research with the astronauts where they'll have astronauts up on the moon or up in lunar modules, 250,000 miles above the Earth, and they'll have them open envelopes at random times, and there'll be a, a shape in there like a square or a circle or a pentagon or a parallelogram or a rectangle. And they'll look at it and they'll concentrate on it for several minutes while there are students back at Duke University in the parapsychology labs who will close their eyes, go into a meditative state, and see if they can receive what the astronaut's sending. And they get a high correlation between what they're sending, way beyond chance, in terms of them able to pick up this thought form without any amplification through technology or you know, energy waves, radio waves, that kind of thing. So we know that our thoughts can travel 250,000 miles. So I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson said. He said, great men are they who see the spiritual thought is stronger than any material force that their thoughts rule the world. 
our thoughts literally travel all across the world. There's actually people that are now contemplating and, and projecting out from their work in quantum physics and neuroscience and metaphysics that one hour of inner work, working with visualization, working with the law of attraction, working with affirmations, working with the power of intention like you just did with Grow Longer, that one hour of that kind of work actually will produce the same results of seven hours of physical labor in the world in terms of achieving your goals, whether they're financial goals like becoming a millionaire or whether they're other kinds of goals like ending world hunger, that kind of thing. How many of you are familiar with the work of Dr. Masaru Emoto, the uh, Messages of Water? Great. So Emoto's work proves that when we think thoughts about water, it changes the molecular structure of the water. So they would have students send negative energy up to a bottle of water, like you fool, you idiot, and what would happen, they'll take that water and they will freeze it to 20 degrees below zero, put it in a Petri dish, and then they will bring it out, put it under a microscope, and they will look at that water, and as it starts to melt, it forms crystals, or not. When you send negative energy, you get this kind of blobby black formation that occurs. When you send love and gratitude or thank you, you get these beautiful crystals that look like snowflakes. And so we know that one kind of energy, which we call negative critical energy, creates one form, and positive energy creates another. Then he said, how far does this intention to the water extend? So they took, they took 10,000 Japanese, and over a two-hour period, they sent love to all the water in the world. This was a couple of summers ago in July. And they took water samples the day before and the day after, and look what happened. Here's water taken from Lake Biwatch, the largest freshwater lake in Japan, the day before, this nondescript kind of energy. Two days later, we see these beautiful crystals having been formed. Here's Lake, the St. Croix River up near Minnesota in Wisconsin. And we see the day before and we see the day after. The day after we get these crystals. Here's the Mississippi River. We're halfway around the world and we're, our thoughts are still affecting the water. And as you know from Masaru Moto's work, your body is 80, about 80 to 85% water. Although today you're probably more like 75% because you haven't been drinking enough. But the idea is we are water and our thoughts are affecting us and each other. And so what does this tell us about success? Every thought I think, they're not gonna buy my product. They won't like my record. They're not gonna give me a job. We're not gonna find a parking space. You are literally sending out energy ahead of you that's pre-paving the highway you're driving down and setting up the kind of response you're gonna get, especially when it deals with individuals because you're telling them how to think. Then you walk in and they go, nah, they already have a pre-determined um, kind of attitude toward you based on the thoughts you were thinking before you even met them. Back 30 years ago when I started taking workshops, we would literally bring people into a, we called it a laboratory or a workshop, sanctuary, and the day before we were having a meeting, we'd bring them in through a people mover and we'd interview them. What, what, what is it you need to know about me in order to make a decision? What are your hot buttons? What are your fears? What makes you decide yes? And we would get all this information from them because literally it's all available because all the thoughts they've ever thought are out there as waveforms like an archive you can go to on Google or something to pull forward the information. So it's critical that we learn the power of our mind and use it. And I know most of you know this, but it's important to really see the, how far this extends. So again, your reality is not the cause of your thoughts and your feelings, but your thoughts and feelings are in fact what is creating your reality.
All right, that was Jack Canfield. His website is jackcanfield.com. You can watch today's entire talk on YouTube. It's called Jack Canfield Seminar of the Century, Woodstock for the Mind. I will see you tomorrow with Mr. Brian Tracy. Have an amazing day. I'm out. Peace. Peace.